Welcome to Conversations with the Best Minds in Real Estate, the show that brings you illuminating interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders throughout all corners of the real estate sector. Each episode will feature different masters in real estate, revealing challenging lessons they've learned, their secrets to success, and opinions regarding the state of the market. Hello, this is Joshua Bourne, Managing Director of Strategic Initiatives at RC Elko Real Estate Consulting. If you're a regular listener to our podcast, then you know that since 1967, RC Elko has been the first call for real estate developers, investors, the public sector, and non-real estate companies seeking strategic and tactical advice regarding property investment, planning, and development. Welcome to the latest episode of Conversations with the Best Minds in Real Estate. Today, I'm talking to Justin Papadakis, COO and Chief Real Estate Officer of the United Soccer League. United Soccer League, or USL, is the largest and fastest growing professional soccer organization in North America, possessing more than a decade of experience in bringing the world's game to communities across the U.S. and Canada. Based in Tampa, Florida, USL has grown during the past decade into a model organization with strong corporate partnerships and stable organizational leadership. It features a dedicated staff of more than 60 professionals across 17 departments, ranging from operations, digital, communications, and club services each of which provides unparalleled support to member clubs and outside partners. Sanctioned by U.S. Soccer Federation, USL is united for soccer, moving the game forward in North America. And today, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the expansion and growth of the league itself, as well as its member clubs. Justin, thanks so much for joining us as one of the best minds in real estate. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate having me on. Yeah, it's great to talk. And now, we've obviously got to know each other fairly well over the number of years, but Excited to tell your story. I think you're in a really unique position, both being in the sports world, but also having a real estate background. And maybe just to start, it'd be great if you could share a little bit about your title and your role at USL, and then even just give a brief background or description of your professional work history. As the chief real estate officer, we thought that this position was necessary because of the significant growth that that the league would would undertake in the first 10, 15 years of the league. So we have really ambitious plans. I think by number, we're the largest stadium developer in the world. And we see real estate as an integral part of that. And so we've learned a lot from best-in-class partners like RCLCO, from other sports organizations, to see how stadium-anchored projects can be transformational anchor for incredible live entertainment districts. So that that's what we're focused on. My background, and I think is particularly relevant because I came from the retail power center industry. And, you know, looking back 30, 40 years, that sector has really had a, you know, had an incredible expansion, but the consumer now has really turned. And, you know, our belief is that when people go out net today, they're going out for live experiences, not necessarily just to buy something. We are big believers. And again, RCLCO has been a great partner for us in putting together these stadium anchor districts. That, that are really, you know, live, work, play. And I think it's important that, especially post-COVID, the work element of that is really changing. You know, a lot of people are working remote now. And if you can choose where you live, we're building stadiums across the top 70, you know, plus MSAs around the country. And people are choosing to live in different places. And uh, hopefully, 
you know, they're going to be able to choose to live around the USL Anchor Stadium. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And you guys are a bit ahead of the curve. I think in my background, I've spent 10 years before RCLCO uh, working for architects in, in stadium design and development. And I was always a long-term proponent of finding the right markets in which to build these stadium anchor districts. The fact that you guys have targeted so many different cities and have so many expansion franchises currently, I think lends itself to, to that vision that we've always seen. And it's great to see you kind of at the head of that. I know that you guys have a number of cities sort of undertaking efforts right now. You mentioned you're the largest stadium developer probably in the world. You want to share, just jump into a couple of those right off the bat and share a couple of examples of some of the projects that are sort of going on currently or maybe that are even in the pipeline. So our audience has a sense of the types of projects and scale of what you guys are doing. Sure. So we definitely have a lot of them. So go go through a couple. You know, one of our, our largest ones is in Rhode Island, which RCLCO and, and yourself play, played a big part in. So there we had this really, you know, exciting opportunity where the minor league baseball team chose to relocate and we had all the elements. We had an extremely engaged city partner, uh, and mayor, which had a vision for what he wanted to do with the city and all the way up to the state and, and the economic development agencies that r- really had bold vision for transforming Pawtucket. So we had an opportunity there to combine a couple elements. First was a riverfront where the river kind of straddled two great pieces of property. And there was complications with some, you know, environmental cleanup. But with the help of great city partners and an estate, we put together a multi-phase 400 plus million dollar development. And so we're hoping to kick it off, get some shovels in the ground by end of year. Another recent example is in Spokane, Washington. And there we had, again, a really engaged city and uh, in in this case, a school board partner where they were looking to decide between putting a stadium out in the suburbs and rehabbing a 67-year-old stadium or building a new stadium downtown. And Spokane, if, if you've ever been there, I highly encourage you to go. They've done an incredible job with their riverfront. The bars, restaurants, housing, it's really an incredible place to go. And so what we told them and what we really see as a huge value proposition around the country is that having this downtown stadium would be the final piece to really, and we call our stadiums community living rooms, because there's so much critical mass down there. But with the addition of this stadium, it really gives young professionals, young families, the ability to go down, spend all, all evening down there, eat, drink, and, and then go to, go to a game. And so we're so excited. We'll be breaking ground in the next couple of months. And it's, again, a great example of a transformational development. A third one I'll, I'll give you, we just several months ago now, we're at the opening of our new stadium in Colorado Springs. And there, again, same theme where there is a lot of development in their downtown corridor, but just south of it, there there wasn't a lot of activity. And so you started to get a couple bars and restaurants going. But because of the stadium, now we have not only a beautiful stadium which is you know state state of the art but that's 
also resulting in about half a billion dollars of multifamily just around the project. And a couple of years down the road will be a an old power plant that they've decided now because of all the activity to you know decommission that and you have another 100 plus acres that is going to really provide because of the critical mass that we brought you know double double the size of this down, downtown area so most important for us is just this significant economic impact that we're having within our communities yeah, I think it's incredible what you guys are doing and where you're targeting. It's interesting to hear some of those consistent themes, you know, one, focusing on the communities themselves, two, really focusing on kind of the urban corridor or those downtown districts. And I think three, the transformative component of it. And I know when we were doing some prep and getting ready for this, you talked a little bit about why real estate and what got you into real estate. And I think it was that transformational aspect of real estate that that really drove you to be interested in, in the sector. You touch a little bit about what got you into real estate or, or elaborate on that a little bit further, possibly? When I first went to one of our developments out, out of college, you know, the real estate bug, I think, is is really contagious because you can walk on to a site that, you know, is dirt and then come back 18 months later. And it's part of thousands of people's daily routines, whether they're going to the grocery store or they're going to work out or go to a movie theater. And you can play a small part in transforming, physically transforming community. We get to do that now doubly at the USL because not only are we having that physical transformation of communities, but we bring in a sports team, which is a community asset. And so, again, being able to play a you know small part in creating a, a district where hundreds of thousands and millions of people will come for decades to come to support their team, to go to concerts, to do graduations, festivals, international soccer matches, or yoga on a non-game day, or to go to the bars and restaurants and to stay at the hotels. We get to play a part in not only transforming communities, but really having significant economic impact. And so that's that's exciting, humbling, and it's something we're we're really proud of that that we get to do uh, in so many communities across the country. And I think you hit on some key points there too: the multi-purpose nature of these facilities, but more importantly, the team itself acting sort of as an anchor, similar to kind of the power center model you talked about, right? Having the right group to bring, draw, but then ultimately create all sorts of of spinoffs. Where I think you the USL have really differentiated yourselves maybe from other professional sporting leagues is sort of the centralized support that you provide to the teams and the ability to work with these different expansion franchises or even your existing ones. I know you often read or see frequently about one city and one team pitting themselves against another or trying to leverage them. And I think what you guys have done, even creating what I think is the first league with the chief real estate officer, I want to say, is unique. And so what sort of drove you to that direction and how do you prioritize League level, the idea of doing that in your time and these projects. So when we looked about six years ago, we thought what's never been done is building 35 stadiums over the next 10 years. And as you know, as well as anyone, Josh, is stadium deals are not easy. They involve not just a question of economics and finances, tremendous amount of community support. And it's very, I think, 
a lot more difficulties and complexities than building a power center because stadiums have a lot of traffic, just a lot of unique elements to it. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, teams are have this unique quality as the kind of a community asset. So the strategy that we thought was we needed to put a group together that would go out and spend the next five years first listening to our city partners as to what a stadium would mean for them. What could we do as a league to bring value to them and their citizens? So I think it was a lot of listening. It was a lot of creating relationships with our city partners, with the soccer communities, with the corporate communities, with the philanthropic communities within each of these 30, 40 cities and seeing what their goals and objectives were. And then critically, it was how do we bring the very specific knowledge and expertise to the table to make a stadium come to life? And that means working with yourself and Elko to put together these very complex projects And not only one, but 35 to 40 all at the same time. And so you guys really helped us scale, helped us put first quality economic studies together and really think about these projects that are so complicated, not only because they involve a stadium, but they also involve multifamily, office, hotel, retail, so many other different asset classes. So... It's been a lot of work, a lot of conversations, but to me, it's it's the most fun part of my job is getting to be in our, in our new communities, work with them and see that work come to fruition and, and the jobs that it creates. And one, one just quick story for you, Josh, is over the pandemic, I remember at the height of the pandemic, in this case, we were working on our, our deal in Spokane and we would have conference calls. And there would be 60 or 70 local business owners, other community leaders on the phone. And the call was just about how do we make this happen? So it's, you know, looking back on it now with just tremendous economic uncertainty, health uncertainty, you know, family concerns. People still made a time to have a, you know, a 70 person conference call because the stadium meant so much. To they thought the stadium would mean so much to their community. And that was just so impactful for me. And we have just countless other stories like that across the country of people working for years with us, you know, not paid just on a volunteer basis because they believe that this a stadium in a in a anchor district will be a great addition to to their community. So it's so exciting. And, you know, again, you know, appreciate your help <laughs> and, and, and everyone at RCLCO for taking on this kind of monumental project with us. But we're excited to see them, you know, now all start to come to fruition. And it really does take a village, as you said. I mean, we're happy to play a very small role. And I appreciate the credit. But you guys certainly are leading that effort. And, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting in what you just shared, both on the club side, but also in the stadium development and, and, and real estate development side is, it's really organic growth, right? Kind of grassroots support. I mean, both a lot of your teams and your expansion franchises have grown from that kind of grassroots or organic level, which I think makes for better support than paying for an expansion franchise and dropping them into the middle of somewhere. But also mentioning, you know, 70 people from the community getting on a call to support what is a long-term project is is pretty incredible. It sounds like, and then maybe you can touch on it a little bit more. I know you've spoken to it a little, like 
what are some of those lessons learned? What, what are those best practices that you've seen that have been able to help both the team and the real estate and stadium side from that grassroots perspective? I think it really comes down to, as you mentioned, getting that community grassroots support. So we spend years, in most cases, building those relationships first and then working on the financing, legal, and you know so many other aspects of having a stadium actually come together. But those first couple of years are really putting the ground game in and working across the board to hear the concerns, hear where, where the community would want the stadium, how big, what they want around it, functionally speaking, how they want it to be able to be programmed. And that's what I would really attribute hopefully our success to is our community partners uh, really knowing that you know this is this is their project. We're helping. We help bring partners like like yourself to the table because for most people, they haven't built a stadium before. It's a really it's a once in a you know for most people once once kind of a lifetime project. And there are so many best practices you know, that that we try to learn from yourself, from our architectural partners, from, you know, other other stadiums being built across the country so that we can really look at trends because the stadium design, you know, changes all the time and how people consume gains changes. So we want to make sure that we're on top of that. And again, most importantly, we're working with the community to make sure that the stadium is something that reflects them. And it's great that you guys are thinking about the future, but also sort of respecting the past. I think, to your point earlier, the idea of what the consumer looks like, especially for a soccer match, has changed a lot. It's no longer two hours during a match and then they leave. It's how do we keep them before? How do we keep them after? Have control of sort of our brand, but also the experience, right? And so I think that's a long, large part of making sure you control the development and the aspects around the stadium as well. Not just that change, but also you being in the business now for you know, decade plus and, and starting in real estate, shifting to this role. How do you see or what have some sort of those big changes been over the last 10 years and how those affected your business and personally you and uh, as you look to the future? Well, in terms of the business, I think how people consume live entertainment has changed. So for example, older stadiums, they, you know, had the presumption that you wanted a fixed seat. And a lot of people now, one of the drawbacks of a fixed seat is I can only talk with the person on the left and on my right. And a lot of the younger folks today really want space where they can mingle, where they can talk with all of their friends, meet new people. And there just happens to be, you know, a great professional soccer game going on behind them. And I think that also flows down to even the premium areas where, again, traditional uh, stadiums had old six, eight person suites, some case, you know, 50 plus of them. And where we've seen premium go now is similar to what I just described. Instead of having a bunch of fixed small suites, you want open suites. They have benefits, a, a number of benefits, a couple of them being during the game, you can mingle with other people. I think it's great for, especially for, for corporate outings. And then, and this is a, a huge you know, piece now is they actually have utility outside of the game, right? So you can have wedding receptions and corporate parties and so many other events in a large suite area where 
the old traditional suites, they essentially have no per no purpose or function outside of the match. So those are a couple of them. And then as, as you mentioned, the old style of stadium, they were structured where you kind of put them out largely in the suburbs with acres and acres and acres of surface parking. And I think what we are really focused on, and I think we have some advantages in that our stadium physical structures are smaller because we go from five to 15,000 seats, that we can really go into the urban cores of our market. And then that's great because you're utilizing parking infrastructure, you're using utilizing public transit, you can Uber, you can scooter, you take advantage of all these new transportation methods. And so... A lot of those things are changing and we get the opportunity because we're building so many to really adapt to all, all these new trends. Yeah, I think you guys play very well into what is sort of today's ecosystem, but also where things are going in the future and, and the flexibility that these venues provide and, and the areas outside that, right? We've seen a lot of the ability to, to congregate outside and, and again, provide something that wasn't able to be there for your fans, for your customers, et cetera, before. My hope is that also in listening to this, we'll have a number of developers that focus on mixed-use projects thinking to themselves, hey, why don't I think about a stadium development in, in the middle of my downtown district and reach out to you and USL directly in hopes of bringing a team or an expansion franchise to their area. You obviously, though, also personally have a lot of relationships in the business, both on the soccer side and real estate. Maybe just talking about you a little bit more. I mean, Who's been or what are some of those strong influences or those folks that have been really influential to you in your growth and your career? Well, in, in talking, we, we have a great you know, internship program at, at the USL and talking with a lot of you know, young sports executives that are just starting out in the business. One thing that for me really changed the trajectory of my career was my first boss at DDR, which is now called Site Centers. And you know, his name is Brian Zabel. Started at a time in 2008 where you know the stock price when I started in in May was $75, and by the end of the year, because of some of our debt maturities and the financial crisis, which particularly impacted the the real estate sector, as most of your listeners know, our stock was down to a dollar twenty five. So I didn't know if it was me that why the stock was going down fifteen percent per day for eight months, but it was it, it was a very intellectually interesting time. I know stressful for a lot of your listeners, but at, at DDR, we were the largest landlord because we had power centers to Circuit City, Linens and Things, Goodies, Stephen Berry's, and and Mervin's Department Store, which is a West Coast department store. And so we got back 175 boxes, which we defined as over 20,000 square feet in over the course of about eight months. And so our job and we formed a new group, which Brian led and you know I had the great fortune of being part of, was to go out and lease 175, 20 to 120,000 uh, square foot boxes. And so... It was a great learning experience and one that, you know, in, in today's world where I know a lot of people really like working from home and, and there's so many advantages to that. I'll just say, though, as a personal experience, getting to see on a day to day basis how, how Brian operated all the way up, including, you know, our C CEO at the time, Dan Hurwitz, and getting to work with them on a daily basis 
as part of this management training program that I was in, it really was such a unique opportunity. And again, just gave me so many insights and opportunities to learn the business that I think it would have been very difficult to do remotely. So, you know, advice would be if possible, try to be be in the office and it's kind of the the luck of the draw. But if you can, I would I would take a little less money to work for a great boss. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you can find a company that like like I did, that really invested in their young, their young people that believed in mentoring that that is really you know worth its weight in gold and so i don't wish a financial crisis on people but our young folks today they they got something equally or you know a little bit more challenging with the pandemic but i think the good thing is that you aren't going to find too many more crises that are more challenging than than the one we just went through so i think it's exciting time to be in sports it's exciting time to be in 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 real estate and when you combine the two and then combine soccer. And I think soccer, we got the World Cup in 22 and then the World Cup here in the United States in 2026. So the game is just growing so fast. It's fun to be a part of. And I think that the demographic shifts in the country as well are playing right into that global nature of the game. And and I, I sort of second everything you just said. I came out right around the same time as you from college and started in real estate for a couple of years in that 07 and 08 world when things were pretty difficult and then got very lucky and pivoted to work for a great boss who at a young age allowed me the opportunity to be exposed to many things, like you said. So I certainly encourage as well that sometimes money isn't everything. It's better to get that experience and certainly look where you've ended up since. And, you know, I, and then again, on the personal note, you talk about soccer a little bit. Obviously, I can I can hear it in your voice. I think both of us have a passion for the game. Maybe I wasn't quite as good as you, but uh, I think you played four years at Duke, if I recall. Is that right? I did. So what what's fun is a lot of so remember my, my teammates from from Duke are in and around the the sports and particularly soccer industry, and so it's great to be able to connect connect with them. And then you know, looking broader at at, at real estate. I think just had an amazing education at, at Duke, but the most important thing from from Duke was just the, the relationships. And so have, you know, the fortune of having a lot of Duke folks in uh, Dukies in, in the real estate business. Um, I think like so many of my, my colleagues at, at USL, so many people played at, at a very high level or at some level. And so I think we really pride ourselves also on being a league that really focuses around our players because so so many of us played from from my dad who's who's our CEO who's a really really good player and then which made I had a really really good coach so definitely wasn't as good as him but had a really good coach which helped and and so you know he's really preached us you know valuing our players and and I think we can identify with them on so many levels because you know we were in their position not too long ago. Some of us wish, like myself, that we could go back out there and 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 do what we used to do on the field. But it's it's an important part of, of who we are in, in the league that that we're trying to be to become. And if anything, you've created new uh, career paths or opportunities for folks who maybe thought soccer was the way to go. And if you know it's, it's obviously difficult to go pro, but knowing there's opportunities to take that love and that knowledge of the game and then work into real estate or move into communication, whatever it may be at the league level or at the team level is pretty exciting. 
And I also just on a personal note, I think you mentioned something that I find really encouraging and great. You mentioned your dad, who I think you also said to me is sort of your best friend. What's it like working with with your dad? I would think it'd be incredible to work with family. That's something I'd always hope for and wish for as well. Can you, can you touch on that for a moment? Well, again, this is, you know, just a really, really fortunate that um, growing up had a lot of hours in the car with my dad driving to soccer games and soccer practices. And what we got to talk about was was business. And so loved hearing about all the, the deals and, and projects he was working on growing up. And so always hope one day to get to work with him because of how, how close we are. So he told me that when I was in college, he knew how much I love sports and how much I love business and real estate. And so he said, you definitely want to go get some true real estate development experience. And so right around the time that I graduated uh, is when my dad and and our partner, Rob Hoskins, uh, who's also in real estate, decided to purchase the USL. And so it was, you know, definitely had that in the back of my mind as really, really, really focused on learning the real estate industry, went to night law school so I can, you know, understand there's so many... Obviously, as uh, you know, so many legal aspects to real estate and, of course, to, to sports. And so by the time I came over full time to the USL, we just started to turn the corner. You know, my dad had, you know, a vision for making the USL one of the top leagues in the world. And at the time that him and Rob purchased it, it was definitely not that. You know, it was a couple of people at the office, teams largely played in high school venues or less real estate and stadiums were the core part of what he saw we needed to to take us to where we wanted to go and so after having you know kind of cut cut my teeth in in real estate the job you know that that I got right when when I came over to work full time was we need to build 35 40 stadiums and so that that's kind of the mandate that 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 I got and it's been great. So every day, get it, getting to work with him. Now I I'm on the road quite a bit, so don't get to see him every day. But we're like a lot of families with from Greek descent. He lives about 500 yards down the road from me. So when when I'm here in Tampa, when I'm in the office or, or at home, he's just a couple uh, streets down, and it, it's great. Really couldn't ask for a better dad. Or a better friend, or and and in this case, a a better boss. Yeah, I think that's incredible, and I can hear the passion in your voice. I mean, the things that are clearly important to you are are family, but it's almost two sets of family. It's your actual family, and then your USL family as well. Clearly, which which is incredible. And I know you're you're constantly on the road, so I imagine you're also reading a lot or taking a lot of information. For those listeners out there, I mean, do you have any recommendations around resources or other things that? that they should be paying attention to that can help them kind of learn or get to to the type of growth or role that you've gotten to as well? Well, I, I do spend a lot of time on airplane. Um, and so, you know, it's every once in a while, it's fun to, you know, download something on Netflix, but I really find it, it's, you know, those, those couple hours day that I can focus on, you know, professional growth. So reading, you know, especially corporate biographies, I think is extremely helpful to see, even if it's almost all the cases, 
very different industries from the one I work in. Just seeing the issues that they went through, how they dealt with good opportunities, and a lot of cases, challenges, how they overcame those, how they thought about M&A, how they thought about launching new products, how they thought about you know creating platforms. And so that's what we think about a lot at the USL in my role now, because we have, you know, we keep growing and have such a big team gives, you know, senior executives a lot of time to think about strategy. And what we saw is this opportunity to build this, this platform to really invest in our front office. And so that we have just a great team. You know, you mentioned 60 people. I think we're, you know, pushing, you know, now I think we have close to 80. I think we have seven or eight open positions right now. And so we, we keep growing. And a lot of those books, which will come, come at, you know, no, no surprise, the, the biggest, you know, common denominator would be hire great people. That's what we do. Try to hire great people internally. We, we try to partner with best in class companies and individuals like yourself and and do great things. So we, we still have a long way to go, but it's something that again, I find that it's precious time for me to get to spend that time on the plane reading and and getting to work on on something that that we're building. And that's what you know I I always say is one of my favorite aspects of USL to prospective employees is that we and, and it's a little bit different in sports organizations is that we are we are a very high growth company. And so there's a lot of challenges associated with being a high growth company, but we we see it as one of our biggest assets because we are constantly launching new leagues, new properties, and you know, one even one month to the next, or certainly one year to the next, there's going to be opportunities to move up, be opportunity to take on a lot of responsibility, and that's what I think really attracts great people to work for the USL, and is you know what I attribute a lot of our success to is you know just amazing people I get to work with every day. I think that's great to hear. And and I agree with you. I've always been part of that sort of Jack Walsh mentality, right? Where you don't want to be the smartest one at the table. You want to have the great people at the table around you. And I think your ability to not just look internal to the other sports organizations or sports industry, but rather draw from different sectors, different industries is what makes you guys so different and so unique. And, and I also think that's what's so interesting to the real estate folks and, and uh, our clients and the audience listening today and what makes USL so unique. And maybe that's a good way to sort of round off our conversation here to those developers, those real estate investors listening today. Is there anything you'd want to tell them to kind of end on a positive note about why they should be thinking USL, reaching out to you and 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 partnering or even engaged on some of these stadium development opportunities and, and real estate opportunities around venues that you guys are thinking of and that we've talked about here today? Well, one thing that's I really, I think, wanted want to stress and and talk about a lot is we are are growing so so fast, and whether we're talking about MSAs thirty one through you know eighty one, or even in the top thirty MSAs sub markets within them. So a team that's launching next year is Queens. When we looked at the New York area, we we knew. Are where we could really succeed 
was not trying to be New York City's team, but to really focus in on a submarket, in this case, Queens, and we'll have more to come. And we thought if we could really create a team that had a passionate fan base that was by Queens or Queens, that we could be really successful. And when we look at, you know, again, the top 30 markets around the country and the sub markets, a lot of times with, within those, we think that there's a huge opportunity, again, because of the size of our stadiums, they can go from five to 15,000, that we can be an anchor in a project, whether it's repositioning a mall or whether it's, you know, starting ground up development that this, and it's, as you mentioned earlier, Josh, it's really a multi-purpose venue where we're playing men's soccer games there, women's soccer, international friendlies, concerts, graduations, cross, rugby, NCAA events. We want the same programs every day. And it's a great way to track foot traffic to the project. It's a great way to utilize infrastructure like parking by combining it with, you know, office or, or other uses. And so I would just you know, say to, you know, all the, you know, part, uh, people you have listening is if there's a project that you think that we can be a part of, we would love to work with you on it. It's just so exciting. Again, whether we're playing, you know, we have live games there or watch parties. We, we really think we can be a, a value add to your development. So would love to speak with you and, you know, really appreciate you, you having me on to, to talk USL. Absolutely. And I think you're right aligned with the RCLCO mentality. Real estate is is local at the end of the day, right? And so what works at the MSA level is different than what works at the submarket level. And you guys at the end of the day are coming in and you're focused on the community, which I think is the big takeaway here. Justin, we really appreciate you being on. I think you're one of the best minds in real estate, obviously. Glad to have you as part of one of our conversations. And we look forward to continuing to work together and hopefully sharing more success that USL has in the future. Thank you. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Conversations with the Best Minds in Real Estate. If you are interested in learning more about RCLCO, go to rclco.com and follow us on Twitter at RCLCO. Don't forget to subscribe to new episodes of the podcast and make sure to leave us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for tuning into the show.